0: Let us join together in prayer. Dear Lord, as we come together to look at your word this morning, we understand and realize in our hearts that your word is a beautiful thing, that it is the place from which we gain the bread of life, because it accomplishes things through the power of your Holy Spirit within us that we could not accomplish through our own power. It nourishes us for every aspect of our lives, teaches us when we are wrong and have sinned, shows us the way to heaven through Jesus Christ prompts us to follow the leadings of the Holy Spirit demonstrates to us through the lives of those in scripture how we ought not to live and how we should live and tells us how we can please you and as we have gathered together to worship you this day before we celebrate your birthday that is truly what we desire in our hearts to please you we desire to be people like Mary, who called herself the handmaiden or the hand servant of the Lord. To be men and women who are obedient to you and who give glory to you because of the obedience in our lives that arises out of the love in our hearts for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, our Heavenly Father, and the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. I ask, Lord, now that as we look at your word together, that you would quicken our hearts through your power, that you would visit us through the person of the Holy Spirit, even as through the angels you visited, the shepherds out in the fields, that you would teach us the lessons of your word, that my word might be faithful to your word, because it is your word that we study, and it is your word that alone is holy. In Jesus' name, amen. What promises come to us because of the birth of Jesus Christ? Last week we looked at how nature has been groaning ever since sin entered into the world. and We saw too that Christ's advent, his coming to earth, his death and his resurrection proved him the victor over Satan and Satan's weapons, sin and death. Along the way, we looked at and made note of the way in which creation heralds and points to Christ's glorious victory. But Our purpose was to see last week and today how Christ's coming has affected our world today. We know all too well how Adam's sin in the Garden of Eden has affected our world. We spent a good deal of our time in taking prayer requests and talking about a lot of those effects sickness, sin, death. These are the sorts of things that have come into the world as a result of Adam and the sin that he brought into the world and the sin that we perpetuate, the sin that we continue to commit against our Heavenly Father. But We move today and we look today not at the effects of sin upon our world. We, we look today at the effects of Christ's victory Last week, we looked at the effects of his victory in creation. Today, we look at the effects of Christ's victory on human relationships. Today, our American soldiers are on the soil in Bosnia. They're seeking to enforce a fragile peace worked out between mediators and warring parties. Somewhat ironic, soldiers seeking by the power of their weapons to keep others from fighting, wounding, and killing one another and the opposing citizenry. Is this a proper recognition of Christmas? Is Christmas destined to be filled with the recognition of warfare and hatred as every day continues such events? No, we recognize Christmas as a lifeboat. Christmas is a lifeboat in the cold and stormy waters of life. There are swirling waters all around. But the lifeboat is taking those of us who have trusted in Christ through the dangers. The lifeboat is providing for us a measure of protection from the wet and raging waters for the present. But the lifeboat is also taking us to land on the other side. The place where we will no longer have to fear the waters that are raging around us. This picture of turbulent waters could also be a picture of human relationships and human emotions. Dark, fathomless waters, murky waters, just as in human relationships, oftentimes you cannot tell what is going on in those waters. Sometimes quiet waters, rifts in the water, followed by gigantic motions of the waters, giant waves of emotion and rage, followed again by a glass-like surface of calm and peace. Like an ocean of water, human emotions are rarely predictable. What has Christ accomplished regarding human emotions and human relationships? In Genesis, we read this about the entry of sin into the Garden of Eden. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom... this is the way human relationships are today it shows us the beginning of the world to come following the sin of Adam and Eve and this is a very discouraging beginning Adam and Eve frightened of the Lord people frightened of their God and their creator their heavenly father so that they sought to avoid him they hid from him Instead of staying to talk with him out in the open, instead of seeking him out personally, Adam seeking to cast blame for his responsibility and his sins upon Eve. Oh Lord, it's not I. It's this woman that you gave me. She has caused me to sin. And then Eve seeking in her turn to cast blame for her sin upon Satan. The first version of the devil made me do it. So you and I recognize all too clearly and all too frequently the consequences of the curse of sin upon our personal relationships in our world people do not naturally turn to seek the lord and to talk with him in our world people feel as adam and eve demonstrated when they fled from the lord in the garden people feel insecurity and lack of self-worth and we thought that this was a modern invention of psychology people aren't willing to own up to those realizations of personal failure and sin people are unwilling to admit and acknowledge sin we do not want to be honest people want to blame any or everyone else for their failures we see this illustrated so clearly today by the current tread of children blaming parents for every problem that they have grown children blaming parents And people want to point to Satan as the reason for personal sin. Our families, our spouses, our jobs, every human relationship that we have suffers consequences of the entry of sin into our world. In the Christmas account from Luke that we read aloud, the words of the angel, however, ring clear. They proclaim the victory. That was accomplished before the creation of the world. But brought about through the birth of Jesus Christ. What did the group of angels say? Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts. Praising God and saying. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth. Peace. Goodwill toward men." And on earth. What on earth? Is there any victory on earth? Because Christ was born? On earth. Peace. Goodwill toward men. The lack of peace in our world and in our relationships is what the birth of the baby Jesus Christ is all about. He came to bring about peace and reconciliation. I try to get, I heard the bells on Christmas Day in every Christmas. Usually the Sunday right before Christmas or the Sunday right after. It's a beautiful picture of what Christmas is all about. Verse 3, and in despair I bowed my head, there is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. It is so easy to be discouraged at Christmas time or at any time. To feel that the message of verse 3 there is all the message that there is in our world today. In discouragement, I bowed my head, there is no peace on earth. For hate is strong, and it mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. If we look at the stories of Christmas, we realize that they point out to us the fact that peace and reconciliation is the message of Christmas. I'm not speaking of the biblical accounts. I'm speaking of the stories of Christmas. One of my absolute favorites, Dickens' Christmas Carol. What is that story all about? It's about Ebenezer Scrooge. What was the problem with Ebenezer Scrooge? Ebenezer Scrooge was not at peace with God. Now, you do not find that specifically mentioned in that book, although reference to... To God is, is brought about in that book but you find that Dickens was a man the author was a man who had a firm and strong faith in God and the message of people's relationship to God crops up again and again in subtle ways in all of his books Ebenezer Scrooge was not at peace with God and what happened as a result of his hatred for God he hated everyone what did he love? Money. Money. Ebenezer Scrooge's life was built upon and made up of a love for money. Because of his hatred for God, he had no peace in his human relationships. He considered Bob Cratchit. Cratchit! How's it go? Cratchit! Shut the door! (laughs) Right? He considered Bob Cratchit a sniveling, good-for-nothing employee, constantly wanting to take advantage of him, the employer. He looked with suspicion and dislike on everyone he met. He was at war, not at peace with everyone, because of his hatred for the Lord and his love for money. Until the events of his Christmas dream turned everything around. It changed his countenance completely. It brought about reconciliation between Scrooge and God, and as a result, he had joy in his relationships with people. He called out of his window, Boy, what day is this? And then he gave the boy some money, which was an unheard of thing. The people in his neighborhood could not believe that this man would give anyone some of his hard-earned, carefully hoarded money. Think of the Christmas stories that bring to our lives and to our hearts the joy of Christmas. They emphasize this theme. The peace and reconciliation is the message of Christmas. Christ came to this world to bring peace. This is what the angelic message proclaimed Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. We think of all the expectations that the people of that time had of this coming Messiah. The reality, in the midst of all the expectations, was that he was coming to establish a bulkhead of peace in a world at war. And through the establishment of peace on this earth, there would be glory to God in the highest. It is no mistake and no accident that those two messages are tied together in the angelic song. Glory to God on the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Christ did not come to fulfill the goals of the world. The Jews, you can look at Scripture and you can look at the New Testament and the Gospels. You find that the Jews were looking for a Messiah of a different stripe who would accomplish different things. They were hoping for a leader of a great army, perhaps, who would free them from the yoke of the Roman oppressors, the Roman army, which was an occupying army. They thought perhaps that he would be a king. When the Messiah came, he would be a king who would come. Everybody would know the Messiah was there because he would enter with great ceremony and in all of his glory. You and I, too, may have different opinions of what Christ's coming was to accomplish and what we desire for him to accomplish. You and I may think in our hearts that he wants to give us happiness, success, and accomplishment. Provide us with everything we ask for and remove all trouble from our lives. But he didn't come to accomplish our purposes. He came to accomplish his purpose and his goals. And as we realize what his goals were and fit into his plan, it's not a question of his fitting into our plan. That's not what Scripture is all about. Scripture is authoritative because it can be a stumbling block people because it stands there it will not move, it will not be moved it will not change or it can be the bread of life so we have to realize that we have to respond to God's word and to God we cannot expect him to do what we are expecting him to do as we fit into his goals we will realize that his plan and his purpose is much better than our purposes ever could be because he knows what we need most. And what we need most is for someone to intervene and to bring about reconciliation. Think of a time when you've had a disagreement with someone that you loved and cared for deeply. I don't say, can you remember a time? That's a foolish question. Every single one of us can think of one, dozens of times when we have had a rift, a problem, a disagreement in a human relationship with someone we loved. It hurts, doesn't it? It aches with a sharp ache, turning to a dull ache, a numbing ache, the longer that the unresolved difficulty goes. Christ came to teach us the meaning and the importance of reconciling our differences. He gave us an example, and then he led us in the how to's of this glorious and precious gift brought about through every aspect of his life. He was constantly healing people, and it was not a there you're well, and there you're well, and there you're well, and go on your way, and thank you, and now it's your turn, and fine, that's right, go ahead. It was compassion, it was a healing of the soul, it was a forgiving of the sins. More so than the healing of the body, which also came. Right reconciliation, being reconciled with people, must begin with being reconciled with God. Without the infant birth of Jesus Christ, without his sinless life and his death for our sake, we would never know the joy of true reconciliation. Because we would never know reconciliation with the one with whom we need reconciliation most with God. 2 Corinthians 5.17, it's printed at the bottom of your bulletin, the order of worship, tells us this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Yet because of Christ, and through faith in Christ and his sacrifice, we understand the awful price that he paid to bring about this reconciliation. We reconcile. recognize as we look at this passage and think about the New Testament and the message of Jesus Christ given to us in the Gospels that he chose to pay this price willingly he said I will pay this price he realized it was a price that we ourselves could not pay because we cannot pay we cannot do anything in order to bring about reconciliation with God in heaven We must depend upon Jesus Christ. He alone could pay this price. So Christ, of course, is the model for reconciliation. Holding an infant reminds us of the vulnerability of babies. And boy, I love to hold my babies. (laughs) It's just a joy, whether they're well or they're sick, whatever they are. It's a wonderful thing. I think part of the wonder of it, for me at least, is because I realize that that child is dependent upon me. Whether that child comes or goes, whether that child fares well or doesn't fare well, is dependent upon the care that I, my wife, family, church, that I take for that child. A child is dependent upon parents to provide their food on time, to clean up their messes, to keep them warm. To protect them Because they do not have the means By which they can take care of themselves And so as we look at Christ being the model of reconciliation Think about a baby A baby born On the day we celebrate his Christmas Whatever that day was Where was he born? God placed him in the hands of a loving couple A couple who loved God But he was placed in the midst of a terrible world full of hatred for him. He was placed in the enemy camp. Would you ever place a child in a place where he was in danger from the moment of his conception, through his birth, and every aspect of his life thereabout? Never, ever, ever, ever. We see... The way in which Christ demonstrated reconciliation is the model for reconciliation because he came amidst an armed enemy camp. Why? We see the example in the fact that King Herod sent his soldiers to kill every boy child under two born in Bethlehem because of his conversation with the wise men. And yet Jesus was willing to come as, as, a, as a completely helpless baby. Albeit to a couple who were devoted to God. But in the midst of circumstances in which you would think of placing no one. <clears throat> and so we see through this that Christ loved mankind enough to make himself helpless and to come <clears throat> into the midst of his enemies. This should be the impact of Christ and Christmas upon us, the follower of Christ. That we not only want reconciliation with those we love. Naturally, I want reconciliation with my wife whenever we have difficulties. I'm dependent upon her. She's dependent upon me. I need it there. But what about reconciliation with our enemies? The people with whom we don't have to get along. Is God calling us to reconcile with them? To have peace with them? Yes, absolutely. That is the message of Christmas. Because Christ came to live among his enemies. And the fact that his life was one made up of a life among his enemies is proven by the fact that it was because of mankind and those who lived with him that he was crucified and killed. Christ calls us to love our enemies. To help them, to pray for them. Also that, figuratively speaking, we heap burning coals of fire upon their heads, making them see we are different, so that they wonder why. And through their wonderment, turn to give glory to the Prince of Peace. Reconciliation also requires repentance. Oftentimes you or I are the ones in the wrong. And woe betide us. It will be a sorry day... When we, or if we ever come to that point in which we are no longer willing to admit or to accept our own guilt in our relationships with other people. Should that day ever come, we are recognizing that we have hardened ourselves to the Holy Spirit's work within us, telling me, you did wrong. You wronged that person. What you said was not right. Your assumptions about that person were not right. Your behavior towards that person or in such a way that it it hurt that person was not right. You are the one at fault. Reconciliation requires repentance. And that's how we became children of God by accepting that we had done wrong, that we were sinners and that we needed Christ's forgiveness. And so what we need to realize is that not only do we need repentance, asking forgiveness, in our relationship with our Heavenly Father through Christ, but in our human relationships as well. You and I need to master the words, it is my fault, I have sinned, I am to blame, I need your forgiveness, please. In our relationship with God, in our relationship with people. The only real and genuine way to spend Christmas then is to spend it giving glory to the one who made Christmas, whose birthday we celebrate. How do we celebrate his birthday? The way in which Christ celebrated his birthday was by entering the world in order to to bring about peace between men and God and peace between humans in interpersonal relationships. You and I must celebrate Christmas by first confessing our sins and seeking the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Then we must go to those we have wronged and make things right. If it is our spouse, our siblings, our parents, our friends, our co-workers, neighbors, whoever, we must reconcile if it is possible. Where we are wrong, we must confess to being wrong. We must confess to our blame. We must accept responsibility and ask forgiveness where we have been wrong the process is less simple but we must continue to demonstrate love by praying for those who have wronged us by going to them to resolve the problem if they are fellow believers by doing good even to those who consider themselves still to be our enemies i cannot imagine anything that would bring more joy to the lord than for him to see us his people making peace on the day During the year in which we celebrate his birth as the Prince of Peace, he would be glorified and the angels rejoice to see husband and wife weeping over the wrongs they have committed against one another, resolving in his strength to try harder, follow his example of unconditional love and live at peace without hatred and warfare. He would be glorified and his creatures rejoice to see brothers and sisters, parent and child, asking one another's forgiveness because he commands us to be reconciled to one another and to live at peace with one another to his glory he would be glorified to see us forgiving our enemies and forgiving those who wronged us if you truly desire to celebrate Christmas in the way in which the Lord celebrated Christmas then celebrate it by making your life a life dedicated to peace with God And dedicated to reconciled relationships with those around you. Let's pray. Dear Father, we praise and glorify you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ. Dear Lord Jesus Christ, we give thanks for your willingness to come amidst your enemies to bring about peace. Holy Spirit, we ask that we would be sensitive to your promptings and leadings in our hearts to teach us where we need to confess. Teach us what we must do to write struggling relationships to bring about peace in your name. Make us people of peace because we have trusted in the Prince of Peace. In Jesus' name, amen.